when I was about 15 or 16, I Google searched how to make money online for free. <laughs> Don't do that. Hey, Mindful Tribe. You've probably heard about doing affiliate arrangements. You've probably heard that word bounced around here and there. And if you're an online business person, you've probably been doing lots of affiliate work, lots of affiliate marketing. Well, I have the affiliate marketing man right here with me. It's like affiliate is his middle name. His name is actually Matthew Jang, and he's known as Jang. Everybody calls him Jang. So Jang, how are you doing? Ah, doing very well, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Good. Are you in mindfulness mode today, Jang? Uh, I definitely got into a great state before I started the day and before I started uh, whenever, before I go into any types of meetings or interviews like that. So I definitely... Got off to a great start and I'm feeling great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, you look really happy. That's for sure. Let me let me just introduce you a little bit to Mindful Tribe. Matthew Jang is hooked on helping people think outside the box. And especially if that box has anything to do with our educational system. He's helped people shove aside conventional ways of thinking and he's taught them to build lives of freedom by increasing their income to six, seven, and even eight figures. Matthew, known simply as Jang, like I said, is highly sought after as a marketing strategist and consultant. He co-founded one of the world's most well-known affiliate marketing education platforms called the Affiliate Institute. So Jang, I'm so excited to talk to you. This is gonna be really cool. So first of all, how do you uh, how do you define mindfulness? What does mindfulness mean in your space? For for me, I would define it as really mindfulness. I associate with like meditation quite a bit, calming the mind. And like when I think of the word mindfulness, which isn't the exact word I use all the time, but the word mindfulness when I think of that, um, I would think of not being so much, not being so reactive, being able to kind of like calm yourself and be able to really allow yourself to either feel through the emotions that come up before the reaction or anything like that, and really kind of take a grounded approach to whether it's an interview, whether it's a business, whether it's a relationship or whatever it is that you're uh, doing throughout the day. Definitely something that I am constantly working on. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know if it ever gets to a point where you're there, but uh, yeah. definitely something that as I started practicing that more and more has really transformed my life. I don't think I would be able to do anywhere near the things that I'm able to do without taking time for myself to really calm the mind and, and really get into those states. And whether it's meditating or visualization or anything like that, it becomes a really important part of my daily practice. Well, do you have a pretty good sized team there at Affiliate Institute? Yeah. 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 I figured you did. Yeah. So it must be challenging to keep everything going and everything smooth and everything. Do you meditate? Is that part of your daily life? It's definitely can be improved. I'm about 10 to 20 minutes or so in the mornings before I start the day. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's been just been getting into the habit of that probably over the last year where I've actually been consistent with it. I was on and off doing it and uh, noticed that when I did it, it felt great. When I didn't do it, I didn't. And for whatever reason, it took me forever to actually commit to, to taking at least even the 10 to 20 minutes a day to do that. But yeah, it's, it's something that especially 
to start my day to get into that state to make sure before I touch anything business wise, before I touch a phone call, before I touch an interview, before I touch a, a, a email or anything like that, um, it, it just allows me to get into a state where I'm not reactive and I don't go in kind of, uh, you know, just reacting to everything. I make sure that I kind of get into the right state. And I also, if I'm having like, say, for example, if I have, whether it's an, I'm having a meeting with clients or a meeting with business, I'll, I'll kind of prepave. How do I want the meeting to go? Uh, how do I want it to go? What what times would I see the mask or or what do I think they would say to this? And I kind of like walk through the meeting in my head so that by the time I go in there, I've kind of already had the conversation um, and I can kind of go through and future pace the experience that I want to create and, and, and want to experience. And, and uh, I find that it's funny how many times you do that and then it kind of goes the exact way that you kind of mapped out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Jang, for those people listening who really don't know what affiliate marketing is, can you explain that to us? Yeah, essentially it's just selling other people's products. So uh, if you look at Walmart, they have an affiliate program. You look at bodybuilding.com, they have an affiliate program. And all that means is I can say Amazon, great example. Like Amazon doesn't own a single product, right? They do now. They created the Echo and all these other things. But in the beginning, when they started, they didn't own a single product. So what they did was, you know, they made a little percentage of other people selling their products, right? And so I could go to, say, for example, Amazon, and I could go and find this phone case on Amazon, and I could take the link for that, and I could go, "Hey, Bruce, you need a phone case? Here's my link." And Bruce goes, "Great, Jang, thanks." And he goes and goes onto my link. He buys the phone case. And I make a percentage of that commission, basically a salesperson, right. essentially at that point. And so we specialize in teaching people how to sell other people's products first. It just eliminates the variable of having to do the market research and see if you have a product that people actually want or, or desire, and if there's actually a big enough market for it. And you don't have to do any of the research and development and any of that when you sell other people's products that are already proven to convert. So we usually do that. And then we usually focus on something that it pays a higher ticket commission. So something that you would make, you know, a thousand dollars or more when you sell it. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into this, Jang? Oh man, funny, funny story. Actually, when I, when I first looked out, I, so as a young, young kid, um, my dad, uh, would always kind of, uh, install this like entrepreneurial bug in me. So he kind of always would always talk about businesses and schemes and different ways to make money and all this stuff. And, uh, and so I, I was kind of in, in, into that. And so when I was about 15 or 16, I Google searched how to make money online for free. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but, but, that's, but that's what I did. And as you can imagine, the worst things come out. Uh, and so it was like everything from paid surveys to email submits to affiliate marketing to data entry to everything. I tried so many different things. Uh, none of them really worked. And, and I got one to kind of work. Six months, I made a whopping $80. <laughs> and, and so I was like, man, maybe, maybe there's just you know these mythical creatures that can extract money from the internet and I'm just not one of them. Maybe, maybe that's just what it is. Right. And uh, I ended up stumbling across uh, a video. And at this time, I'm working making $9 an hour at a butcher shop. And I dropped out of college and I barely graduated high school. And what year and so would this I, be? Uh, this would be about, what are we, 20, probably around 2012 to 2013, right. 2013. Okay. 2012, 2013. And there, um, 
It's about seven, eight years ago. And uh, so I'm at this picture shop, not really liking uh, the job, but I kept going through where like about the job and then I would go try paid emails or email submits. And then I would try to go to the job. So I kept going back and forth. Eventually got to the point where I thought no one can do it except for these mythical creatures. And then so, uh, but I go home one day and I'm, uh, I'm just scrolling through Facebook and I see this 19 year old kid. He's retired at 19, traveling around the world, making 20 grand a month, living in Thailand. And I was like, He's around my age. He's doing what I want to do. He's living the life I want to live. He's running the type of business I want to run. He's making the money I want to make. I just got to model and follow whatever it is that he's doing. And uh, it was it was the first time I went from trying to figure things out on my own to following someone that actually does it and gets results. Mm-hmm. And that was a big factor to, to me. Uh, that was the big, uh, big, big variable. Cause now it wasn't me guessing. It was kind of him pointing me in the right direction and showing me what I need to learn. And one of the things that really he, he got me to really understand was like the real, the power of, of paid advertising and how to convert it profitably. Um, and he kind of used this analogy. He's like, man, he's like, what if you had a magic vending machine and every single time you put a dollar in, Cause I was afraid to spend money on ads or on anything. Right. He's like, okay, well, what if, what if this, what if you had a magic vending machine every time it put a dollar in $3 came out, would you be afraid to spend money then? I'm like, no. How many, how much money would you spend? I'm like all of it, all of them. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, once you learn how to run paid traffic profitably, that's what you have the ability to do. And it was kind of like this. I was like, Oh, like I've been trying to not spend money on advertising and not spend any money here, but like, that's why I'm having a really hard time getting people to buy my stuff when I don't know where to find them or how to do it. I can pay to get in front of them. And so now that, that kind of just like, now I was, I was hooked within about a year and a half spending, I think about $2,000. I think I was, I think I was like, I don't know, a year I spent $2,000 and I made one $25 sale. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was so excited. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm like telling all my friends, I'm like, man, I was like, I did it. I'm like, I made tw- uh, $25. Bucks. Like, how much did you spend? I'm like, well, I, I spent $2,000 on ads and I spent, you know, a couple thousand dollars on the education. <laughs> and they're like, so you lost thousands of dollars. Why are you excited? I'm like, no, like, like I did it once. If I do it once, if I, if I got one sale today, the guy's never met me before, then I can get one sale every day. If I get one every day, I can get two a day, I can get three a day. I like it. All I cared about was that it worked. Um, and uh, about a year and a half after that, I had my first $10,000 a month. Um, and then and then it was kind of a, a, a tough part. So I did a $10,000 a month. The next month did $10,000 again. And I, I was teaching people at this time and I wasn't able to help anyone. I didn't get one person to make any money at all. One person made $25. So no one was able to like spend the two years that I did, two and a half years to make money. They're all like, if this doesn't make money in 30 days, I'm out. And so I didn't really like that. I didn't feel good about that. I wanted to be able to have something that really helped and serve people because I, I needed to sleep at night yeah. and know that I was helping people. Um, and so I shut down the campaign. I, I said that this one wasn't really working and then didn't know what we were going to do. And then we just started thinking, we're like, hey, well... If we know how to build sales funnels and we know how to create converting marketing materials and we know how to, you know, close over the phone and do do that, why don't why don't we build the funnels and do the webinars and do all of those pieces, but we just teach people Facebook ads? And then yeah, we started doing that. And now it went from no one creating results to everyone blowing up and just running Facebook ads and and doing really, really well. 
Um, and even to the point where I was like giving them my Facebook ads, letting them run my videos, <laughs> like, and then, uh, yeah, that went really well. And then now we've, uh, we've now pivoted to just a full on education platform where we teach everything from, from running paid traffic to writing email, writing copywriting, to building sales funnels, to crafting your story and message, to closing sales over the phone. And we just brought in experts in all of those areas to come and teach the curriculum now. And so now it's been really, really fun. Uh, we got a lot of really amazing students. We got a lot of amazing team members and amazing experts that come and train and teach our students. Um, and it's been really, really cool to see what, what they've been able to do. So you've cracked the code. We figured it out. <laughs> And now you share it with anybody else who wants to join your program. Is that right? Yeah. And anyone really that, uh, one, either they want to run an affiliate, they want to run a business from home or they might have a business and they just want to learn how to run paid traffic to it profitably or learn how to digital sales and marketing. There's not a business on the planet that can't benefit from the skills of digital sales and marketing and generating more customers. And so if we get people that want to run a business, that don't have one and we get other people that have their own courses or have their own products or have their own thing that just want to learn how to, how to market that. And, and now that the situation is that we're all locked in and we've got this pandemic going on, isn't this even a better time to get an online business going? Yeah, we're actually seeing on both ends where we're more people than ever are reaching out and the cost for advertising is lower than it's ever been. Um, well, not than it's ever been, but lower than it's been for, for quite a few years. So the cost to acquire customers is going down and the customers are worth a lot more because more people are looking to, to start businesses from home for sure right now. So why has the cost gone down? Because a lot of businesses that say, for example, like if you're an events-based business right now, you can't run paid advertising because you can't run your events. Right. So you pull all of your advertising dollars out. So any business right now that during the coronavirus is shut down, all of their advertising dollars is off the platform. And so because of that, Facebook has less revenue. And so they're going to give you cheaper costs to incentivize you to pay and, and to get money on the platform. Well, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. And of course, in the, in the field I'm in with mindfulness, I notice a lot of people are looking for what I have to offer because a lot of people have anxiety and stress and, and you know they're just having a really rough time. I think, I think everyone can benefit from what you have to offer, especially during a time like this. So you really had quite a struggle for a while, though, until you did crack that code. And so what did yeah. your father say once you cracked the code? <laughs> <laughs> what was super funny is he hated on it the whole time. Like, so he does traditional business. Like he, he owns, you know, a fitness magazine and, uh, um, yeah, he's in the fitness space. And, and so he does traditional business. So when I told him, I'm like learning how to make money online, he's like, this is not real business. This is not a real, like, you know, this. And so he kind of just was like, what? all he cared about really was that I was learning and doing something, but he didn't think it was going to do anything. He didn't think it was real. He's like, ah, whatever, if that's what you want to do. And even, even like I got to the point where, you know, I, I'm out in Thailand, I did $131,000 in a month and he still didn't believe that it was doing anything. <laughs> like wow. there was nothing I could do. And then the one thing that got him was we did an event in Vancouver. Uh, we went to, uh, uh, was it UBC or SFU? No, it was SFU, uh, the university. We rented out their auditorium. So it was like about... 450 people or so. We had an event with all of our students and stuff out there. Um, and I had my dad come out and he came out there. And this is 
years after I've already made lots of money. Like it's, it's worked well. And he's looking around this room, like seeing me speak on stage. And then that day he was like, Oh wow, this is real. I get it. Like I, I get it now. And I think that was, it was, it was really cool in one way, but it also was like, because he didn't like it and because he didn't approve of it before, that was almost like my driver to kind of prove him wrong kind of thing. And so once he approved of it, I was like, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't really have to, to work so hard anymore. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, it was a big relief, huh? <laughs> yeah, all I was trying to do was, was that. And so I definitely had to find different motivations and, and stuff like that. And it's funny, man, like uh, a lot of those hurdles and stuff, like I find that, you know, meditation and visualization was a big part of, like, I don't think if I, one, when I first got started, I didn't do any meditation. I didn't do any personal development. I'd never known to visualize or do anything like that at all. I didn't understand it. Um, my mentor Cameron started telling me to like focus on personal development, to focus on myself more than I focus on my business, take time to meditate, visualize what I want the outcomes to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, he ended up recommending to me quite a few different books on topics. Um, and it, I, I can honestly say if, if I didn't start practicing that, I, there's no way I would have gone through all of the hurdles that we went through or all of the struggles that we went through to get out on the other end. I, I just don't think that that would have been possible with the state of the mindset that I was in, uh, before that. And did you have anybody um, supporting you at that time, kind of encouraging you to be mindful? Like I had Cameron who, like, I didn't live with him or anything. Like, so every, you know, couple days we would chat and he would remind me to, um, whether it was, uh, you know, personal development books to read or different things to go through. Like there's one book, the magic where it's all about gratitude mm -hmm. and we practice that every single morning. And so he's making sure I keep up on that, but it, he was probably the only one I really had. And it was every couple days. Other than that, everyone around me was uh, the farthest from mindful, I would probably say. Um, and so my, my circle of influence before that was definitely not a motivating or inspiring or mindful uh, uh, group. Um, and so it, it was definitely quite tough to, to keep, uh, keep motivated and to keep going with it. Um, but yeah, I basically just got to the point where, you know, your circles change. You start hanging around with people that are more mindful, that are, um, you know, doing more things like that. And, and that's, you know, that ended up being really, really cool where, you know, because of, I never thought that, you know, looking to start a business and, and, and that was going to lead me to doing more personal growth than I ever have ever. And like, even now, like I have, I have one, a uh, personal coach that I work with that solely focuses on like energy work and, and like how I control my energy and my emotions and, 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 and like the amount of money I pay that guy is crazy when you think about it. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I didn't have someone that's able to like coach me through a lot of the stuff and how I manage my emotions and, and, and letting me, a lot of times I would try to like, either bottle up emotions that come up or I would react right away or I would let them consume me versus just letting me breathe through them and letting me actually experience them and let them pass through and let them and let them leave. Um, I kind of hold on to them and then wonder why I was, <laughs> I was having this horrible experience. Um, but yeah, there's just so many little things like that that are like little hacks to life that if you, if you understand these things, you know, it, it, it can help you deal with a lot of that stress and anxiety and a lot of anything else that you end up dealing with. Like I said, yeah, like I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be able to, to, 
get anywhere near close to where I was if I didn't have people kind of guiding me there. Yeah. And sometimes it just takes a little transition in your mindset, doesn't it? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did, looking back, do you think that you were believing that you could not succeed for that period of time? Yeah. In the beginning, before I started doing the personal work, that was a big variable was, was the beliefs I had about myself, about my world, the world around me, what I believed was possible. All of those were batting against me. And so I didn't think that I could, I thought, you know, the mythical creatures could extract money from the internet and I wasn't one of them, you know, like all of these things. And so it was just confirmation. I can't do it because I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not worthy of success or whatever it might be. Um, You know, we have a lot of crazy beliefs that get installed by the time we're eight years old. Yeah, we do. (laughs) And, And do you ever find yourself kind of popping back into that mindset and having to check yourself? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I constantly, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think that stuff stops. I think we get faster at getting out of it. I, I think that beforehand, when I would get into those states, it would just last a really long time uh-huh. where now it's starting to condense a bit where I still get into those states. There, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where, where I don't ever get to that, but I just snap out of it a little bit quicker. And what's your process um, to snap out of it? So depending on what it is, um, normally it has something to do with gratitude. Uh, if, uh, normally when I look at most things, if we think about this, if we are truly grateful for everything in our life, and like, like I mean like the fact that we're a human being, one in 400 trillion chance your parents have sex two seconds later and you're not born. You know, like, like one in 400, that's insane. We can breathe. We can see, we can walk. Like when you're that grateful for that, for, for those things, who cares that this didn't work out or that this happened or that you missed something? You know what I mean? Like it's when you're truly grateful for everything, it's kind of like, don't sweat the small stuff. When you're truly grateful for everything, you realize it's all small stuff. And so I find that whenever I get into those states, it usually ends up stemming back to me, just not really, really taking the right perspective to look and be truly grateful for where I'm at and and where life is and, and, and really looking at the big picture. Well, Hey, aren't you a fellow Canadian? Aren't you from Toronto? Uh, No, I say, but I'm Canadian. I'm from Vancouver. Vancouver. (laughs) Yeah. I'm from London, Ontario. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. So they, yeah, it's great. It's always great to interview Canadians. I interview lots of people from different countries and uh, every once in a while a Canadian. So that's awesome. It's fantastic. So I, I see that you believe in drinking lots of water too. Is that a big deal in your life? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, um, it started out not being at all. I, I did not like drinking water at all. And it was a very, um, tedious thing to even just get me to do. Um, and another thing from Cameron, as I was working and mentoring under him, um, we would read books on productivity. And one of the biggest things on productivity was being hydrated. Um, and then I think whether the second or third campaign that we ran together was actually selling um, um, electrolyzed reduced water devices. So it's like alkalized water devices. Um, and so we basically have these medical grade water device machines that, that produce uh, really, really good quality water. Um, and then we just have it, the only way for me to drink this amount of water is like, I have to have a jug this big. Right. Otherwise I like, I did I have one glass that I have no glasses ah, I, and I forget. But if I put, if I at least get a jug that big and I can gauge it, you know, if I'm partway through the day and I didn't get half yet, 
know, that's the only way I've been able to actually commit to drinking a gallon a day. And I just noticed that when I do, my mental clarity goes through the roof. My mental fog kind of dissipates. My energy is up. Um, I just feel more like quick with it. Um, yeah, it, it was something that um, I didn't think was a big deal. Like I thought that at water was water. It's clear, you know, wall water is the same. But when you really start getting into it, especially like even in Canada, a lot of people think we're in Canada. We have great water. I mean, I'm in Kelowna right now. Our source water is horrible. Oh, is it? There's so much stuff in it. And and if you don't know that, you have no idea there's chlorine and benzene and all this other stuff in there. You have more chlorine than a public pool, but they put benzene in it so you can't smell it. Right? And so like, we don't know that. And so while we're drinking, we're taking it. Think about when we have a shower. We're having eight glasses of water by showering. And now all that chlorine, benzene, all that stuff's getting in your body. And so like, I had no clue until I started like looking into it when we were selling this one product because we had to look into like what it really did. And we started seeing crazy, like not only from the water there. So then even you think about washing your vegetables, right? I'm growing up, we always think about, okay, you know, wash your vegetables first. And uh, my mom would always make, you know, I would, she would put the stuff in the one sink, I would wash them, put them on the other side. And what we found out is that all of those chemicals that are in the water, when you wash your vegetables, they go into your vegetables. Wow. So, so you're actually like, like if you take a cup of the water and you put drops in, it'll uh, for chlorine, it'll go yellow. So you'll see the chlorine. If you took a carrot or a celery stick and you put it in, within a couple seconds, the yellow's gone. All the chlorine's in that celery stick now. Oh, really? And so I started seeing stuff like that, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're dirtying our vegetables by putting them under the water." And so they actually have on this one machine, like they have uh, 11.5 water that emulsifies oil. Because if you look at pesticides, right, they're oil-based, so that the farmers don't have to keep going out every day it rains and put them back on again. They're oil-based, so if you were to rinse it, it's not going to take the pesticides off because that would make the farmers work way harder. They'd have to keep doing it. So with 11.5, it emulsifies oil and actually pulls the oil off. So you take a bag of cherry tomatoes, split them up. You rinse one in the tap water and the you catch the water that comes out of the bottom and it's clear. Nothing came out. You rinse it with 11.5 and you catch the water that comes out. It's yellow. Oh, really? It's gross. Wow. Like it's bad. And then you taste the difference. Cherry tomato. I thought they were all sour. You out of the same bag, and you take the one where the water is clear because it didn't take anything off. You try it sour, like a normal cherry tomato. You take the other one; it's almost sweet, like a fruit. Wow. And it was like, like, like it's still got a bit of sourness to it, but it's a totally different taste. I when my I had someone show me this and do this in front of me, I got so mad because I was like, there is no way those are from the same bag. I didn't see him split the cherry tomatoes out of the same bag. I thought he was like the snake oil salesman. <laughs> yeah. I was. I'm like, there is no way those are out of the same bag. They taste completely different. I got so mad at him. And he went and got another bag of them, opened it, split it, and did it again. And I watched him do it. And I was like, this is insane. Like, if everyone knew that, I think people would freak out. Like, I'm sure they would. I had that right in my eyes and I lost it. I was like, now it's like every vegetable, every fruit, everything we ever do, like constantly, like, even if it's organic, it's still got pesticides on it. Like, it's still got. Um, yeah, you see that once and you're like, that is disgusting. And what does this machine do? Uh, so it, it creates 11.5 pH water that can emulsify oil. So they're oil-based pesticides. It, it will pull the oil-based pesticides off of it. 
Yeah. Oh, well, in our house, we have a, a water distiller. So I usually use distilled water, but I, I read recently that it's not really good to drink distilled water because it pulls nutrients out of your body. Is that right? So I'm not a doctor and a scientist. So what I've, I've heard, and uh, I, I, I can't say for sure, I'm not a scientist, but what I've heard from that is that water naturally like wants to balance itself out. And if distilled water... It, 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 yeah, we'll try to pull. So same, I think actually the one I heard of that on was like a reverse osmosis. Yeah, that's what, that's what we have. Yeah. So that's the one that I, that I've heard where it takes everything out of the water, right? Reverse osmosis. So water naturally wants to go back to itself. And so it will take whatever you took out of the water, it will take from your body. Right. And so to try and get back to it. So the thing, what's good about reverse osmosis, apparently what you can do is because it takes everything out of the water, it takes all of the chemicals and a lot of the bad things out. And then you would put it through a, another machine after it's been through there to either add hydrogen or something like that. Like that's one of the, one of the ones we use, it, it creates hydrogen rich water, um, which is, which is a, a, a big, big f- a factor to the absorption rate and, and everything there. Um, so you can do what I know of, of what some people do is they do the reverse osmosis for places that they have bad source water and it'll take all the bad stuff out and then they put it into remineralize it with, with more uh, minerals and stuff, or they put it through some sort of device to get it back to, to normal so that when you drink it, it's not sapping from your body. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I would definitely confront like, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'll search doctor. that up and see what <laughs> I can find. Yeah. 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 Well, Jang, I always ask a question about bullying because I've worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time. And uh, so do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? maybe you were bullied or maybe you were a bully or what, what's going on? I was bullied. Were you? Um, growing up quite a bit it, younger, like elementary school and then going up to like first years of high school. Definitely. And not only was I bullied, but like I've witnessed a lot of it with like a lot of other kids. And it's, it's, I don't, I don't think like no one takes it as seriously as, as I think it, it should be. Like there's a lot of kids that are extremely depressed uh, that, that they, and now they can't even escape it. They can't even go home to escape it because it's online now. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I think mindfulness could have helped me cope and deal with it a little better, but yeah, it's, it's, how did you get through it? Um, I moved away. (laughs) Okay. That's one way. (laughs) Uh, I, my parents moved a lot as when I was a kid. And so I basically like was in like four different elementary schools uh, and then three different high schools. Um, and so it basically was like moving away and moving away and I would get picked on and picked on and picked on. And then I basically at the last high school, I was like, Hey, what if I just pretend to be someone that all of these people like? Um, and, uh, I noticed that like all the cool kids were smoking weed and I was like, Hey, maybe if I smoke weed, I'll be cool and they'll like me and they'll, and then I'll be their friend. And, and that, kind of worked out and I ended up getting some more friends and not getting bullied as much in that school. But I don't think that's the right way to go about it. Uh, I, I, you know, definitely, you know, get in with the wrong crowd there. And yeah, it was kind of at a point where I was like super depressed about it. I hated going to school every single day. And I'm like, if this is what will make them think that, you know, they don't have to pick on me, like I'll, I'll do it. You know? And it was kind of like out of, out of that. I didn't even realize it's funny that this even came up right now. Cause 
I had someone doing my origin story for, for my website that's coming up. And I didn't realize this was in there until we unpacked this all and kind of went through it. I'm like, man, the only reason I smoked weed in high school was not even, it was literally to, to get friends. Like that was, that was right. the only reason I did it was to be accepted. And so that kids wouldn't bully me and pick on me. But I'm like, that is crazy to think about that. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And now we live in a country where it's legal. So there you go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah I mean, I definitely, uh, I had back surgery, so I have scoliosis. And, and so I have like bars up in my back. So they want me on Tylenol and all this other stuff. And, and yeah, I, I, I just, I use a, 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 a CBD and THC vaporizer little thing before I go to bed and I'm off all my medications just from that. I can't, I can't work and do it or like anything like that, but I definitely use it to get, to get to sleep for sure. Right, right, right. As we move on in the interview, Jang, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Okay. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person that influenced mindfulness in your life? First would be Cameron, Cameron George. That, that, that's the one that sticks out to me the most. So is he your business partner? Now he is. Yeah. Now he's my business partner and CEO. He was my first original mentor that I had. Yeah. Right, right. Awesome. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? I don't think it's affected my emotions. I think it's helped me manage them a little better. Um, I think that, and, and, and I'll say better, not that I'm great at it, but uh, it has helped me uh, uh, become a little better at just really feeling them and letting them pass versus reacting to them. My natural mode was... I feel an emotion and if it's anger, it's an immediate reaction that I don't want versus now. And if, if it's, if it's anger, I can kind of assess it. Well, wow. Okay. I'm feeling angry right now. Like why, why, what is it about this? That's making me feel angry and kind of just let it, hmm, and just kind of sit there with it for a little bit. And I notice that if I just wait long enough and observe it, that it eventually just goes away. And I'm like, that wasn't really that big of a deal. Right. right. <laughs> it's when you try to suppress it. That's when the problem happens, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of mad because, you know, that, that kind of upset me, you know, it definitely did, but it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about breathing. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? If I notice getting angry, I have to just sit there. And so it's breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four. And I just kind of do that same kind of thing. Again, the reason why this is coming up is because I need to do it more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's one that I'm uh, slowly implementing more and more is that when I do anger or frustration or upset or anything like that, if I can just, okay, that's my trigger. I need to just go somewhere calm, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four, hold for four, and do that until I can feel in, in a good enough state to, to go back and do whatever it is that I'm doing. Awesome. So is there a book you could recommend that's related to mindfulness? Are you familiar with Joe Dispenza? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I really love a lot of his work. The one specifically that he did on more of like meditation and mindfulness kind of thing, I guess would be becoming supernatural. Oh yeah. He wrote that. Yeah. So, so that, that one I would probably recommend on, on, I don't know. Is that, so it's like meditation, like when you say mindfulness, do you, do you mean like meditation? Yeah. Meditation mean, is a part of it for sure. Yes. But mindfulness is kind of a broader scope. So it includes other areas yeah. besides meditation. So for me, in my personal experience, I, I, I would say that becoming supernatural 
this is probably the one that I've read that is in mindfulness. By Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com, uh, Mindful Tribe. Hey, so what about an app? Are there any apps that you use or recommend that are related to mindfulness or meditation? Yeah. Have you used Muse before? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I really liked that um, when I was first learning. So I used, I believe, Calm first mm-hmm. um, and I had the free version. And that's where I first had the experience of kind of like almost an out of body like meditation where it was like having me bring attention to my foot and then move up my leg and kind of like everywhere I kind of went, it got to the point where I almost felt like I was vibrating. It was weird. I've never had that before. And I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt uh, like it, it was this amazing state that I was in that I'd never experienced ever in my life. And now it's kind of something that I can kind of just like turn on almost. Um, but I, but I did it on that app. And then I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like this, this is really, really cool. Like I feel like I have more energy. I feel clear. I feel like I just feel less stressed. Like I just feel great right now. Like, um, like why haven't I been doing this so much longer? So I started with that and then, and then I got Muse and I liked the gamification aspect. Yeah. I just love when you can incorporate game. I, I love gaming. Any, anything you can make into a game, I'll, you can get me to do anything if it's a game. <laughs> and so I love the fact that like you're in there and then when you're in a meditative state, the birds chirp and when you're loud, the waves crash, you know, like, and, and so it really kind of, it, it, it helped me become aware of when I was out and, and then when I was in and what, what that kind of felt like. And I loved it so much that the next event I went to, a leadership event with my team, I ended up buying 30 of them, I think, to give to, to a bunch of our staff and, and our students and stuff. So we have a bunch of us that all have these Muse and we're sharing and sending screenshots of getting birds and stuff. So yeah, Muse and Calm were two apps that I use. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'll put that in our show notes as well. Yeah, so it's been great talking to you. Where can we connect with you, Jang? Right right now, probably the best place would be Instagram. Um, and that's at Matthew Jang. So at M-A-T-H-I-E-U-J-A-N-G. And uh, yeah, that would be the best place to, to connect with me over there. Okay, great. Go to Instagram. Check it out at Matthew Jang, M-A-T-H-I-E-U-J-A-N-G. That's a great place to go and connect. So yeah, it's been great talking to you. I just love talking to you and love seeing how happy you are because you are obviously a happy guy. And I think mindfulness is part of the reason, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, man. I think it's a big factor for sure. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Jang. Great talking to you, Will. Thanks for having me out. Appreciate you. You're welcome. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.